0: An Austrian, Japanese, and American man walk into a room. Sounds like a bad joke, but it was actually the genesis of something far better. For Porsche, it was the life-saving collaboration that it desperately needed in order for the company to avoid bankruptcy. For the Porsche customer, it was, as Top Gear put it, a two-seat roadster that was sublime to drive without punishing you in the daily grind. We are talking about the two-seater, breath of life for Porsche that was designated the 986, or better known as the Boxster. This is part two of Mid-Engine Madness. Welcome to Porsche and the Never Substituted Podcast. I'm your host, Will Veach, and today's episode is a continuation of our look into the mid-engine models that helped shape Porsche in the past and where the company is headed for the future. In the 1990s, Porsche was in serious financial trouble and on the verge of bankruptcy. And when I say the situation was dire, I think I'm understating the problem. In the mid-80s, Porsche had sold roughly 50,000 cars per year, but by 1993, that number had dropped to an astoundingly low 14,000 cars, with only 3,000 being sold in the United States. Porsche needed something to help boost sales and, frankly, revitalize the brand. The front-engine cars of the 924 line were nearing the end of their run, and Porsche hadn't introduced a new model car for nearly 18 years. You could argue that the 944-968 cars were new, but they were basically built on the same front-engine platform as the 924. You can't talk about the beginning of the Boxster without discussing some of the models leading up to it, like the 550 or the 718 RSK, and even the 914, which we talked about in our last episode. But the inspiration for the Boxster partially came from the wildly popular Japanese car, the MX-5 Miata. Debuting in 1989, the Miata was a massive success for Mazda and sold over 400,000 cars from 1989 through 1997. That success led Porsche to consider a roadster that was reminiscent of the 550 Spider of the 1950s, even though in 2016 the Boxster would be renamed the 718. Porsche was in trouble, as I previously stated, and needed a shot in the arm financially, and his brand needed new life as well. Enter the Austrian, Horst Marchart, who was in charge of the new generation of Porsches. Marchart was working on developing a four-door Porsche dubbed the 989, and the next generation of the 993 version of the Porsche 911, and he had the unenviable task of downsizing the organization to the tune of 20%. He said... It was not a happy time. A lot of good people left, and with them, a lot of know-how. Part of the challenge that Porsche faced was the slapdash approach to manufacturing at the time, as well as inefficient research and development methods. The New York Times in 1996 wrote an article explaining the issues and said that workers would have to rummage through storage bins and climb ladders to find parts. There was a lack of urgency and order in the process, and Porsche needed an outside perspective. In what I think was a bold and courageous move, Porsche went to Toyota to observe their processes of right-on-time manufacturing and came back with a strategic vision that would help shape the future of the new generation that Marchart was in charge of. Some ideas that came from those visits were what we would consider obvious now, but remember, Porsche was an established automobile manufacturer and somewhat set in his ways. After meeting with the Japanese team, Porsche had to decide what processes to scrap and what to keep that made Porsche, well, Porsche. So they gave up old line engineering and started a project management system that took a year and a half to set up. This was in 1991, and the new generation team was given the task of creating an entry-level Porsche that would be developed alongside the successor to the 993. Purists at the time were concerned that developing two cars simultaneously would water down the brand, specifically creating a liquid-cooled engine that would be shared, and thus, according to road and track, would quote, dumb down the 911. To some extent, they're correct, but like with all things Porsche, that's not the entire story. While true, the displacement of the engines was different, and the Boxster was less powerful. It didn't have to be, of course, but with Porsche, all things start and stop with the 911, so the newcomer couldn't and wouldn't outperform its big brother. Like the Miata, Porsche used an American to come up with the initial concept drawings for the car. Grant Larson, a talented designer from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was tasked with creating the design of the 986 and with a talented co-creator got to work. Larson said of the project, Of course we weren't going to take what we had in the market and just evolve it, but rather play a little bit more on the history in an updated and timeless sense. So I tried to wrap up all those things in one form language. Every car had to be instantly recognizable as a Porsche. The 986 had some early names such as Expo, short for Exponat, meaning exhibit, RSK, and Spider. But after several hundred suggestions, Porsche landed on the name Boxster, which is a simple combination of the motor type boxer and the body style roadster. The concept was revealed at the Detroit Auto Show in 1993 to much excitement and buzz. Being in Detroit for the unveiling of a concept car was a new experience for the car maker, and the public loved it. Getting back to the Miata. Porsche wanted to duplicate the success of the little roadster but wanted to make it undoubtedly Porsche. Going head to head with Mazda was not on the table and while the Miata was roughly 19,000 US dollars, Marchart was given the directive to keep the Boxster at about 40,000 US dollars. Well, they succeeded. Fast forward to 1996 and one thing to note here were the initial orders of around 10,000 cars from Porsche dealers around the world. Porsche had dealers and distributors from 44 countries coming to the Geneva salon to view the final product and decided to reveal their car in dramatic fashion. A hundred customers were airlifted by helicopter to Jungfrau Jacques Pass near Geneva to an area at about 11,500 feet. These customers, all dressed in red mountaineering jackets, watched Porsche officials chisel away at the cliff wall with axes when suddenly the ice crumbled and revealed a massive cave that had a single silver Porsche Boxster inside. The enthusiasm after that fantastic stunt was even more positive when, in Arizona, 80 Boxsters were gathered for dealers to view and experience. Another 1,500 customers were flown to Arizona to experience the car firsthand. Porsche then invited 800 journalists from all over the globe to generate excitement and show off the Roadster. Did it all work? Well, obviously it did and to the tune of about 120,000 cars in the first six years, with its warts and all. Is the Boxster perfect? No, far from it. But it created an opportunity to help propel Porsche into the 21st century. In fact, the Boxster was the best-selling car from Porsche until the release of the Cayenne SUV. Early models had issues with the IMS bearings that it shared with the iconic 911, and there were some styling issues that people took issue with. Most pronounced were the fried egg headlights, but sharing components and creating new production and R&D methods helped Porsche to evolve and to expand its future product line. Based on the Boxster platform, Porsche released the coupe version called the Cayman in 2005, and the pair of mid-engines have won accolades and critics alike ever since. Those two cars have spawned different variations over the years, and perhaps the best, and maybe even the purest Porsche in recent memory. The 718 Cayman GT4. It's phenomenal. To celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Boxster in 2016, Porsche gave the mid engine Boxster and the Cayman the 718 badge in honor of its mid engine predecessor, the 718 RSK. In January of 2021, Porsche announced a special 25th anniversary version of the Boxster that boasts a naturally aspirated, 4 liter, 6 cylinder engine that puts out a massive 394 horsepower. Keeping in line with the original, the Special Edition 718 is available in silver, GT Silver, metallic to be exact, with Bordeaux red interior. In all, the Boxster has sold more than 357,000 cars in its 25 years over its four generations. So was it madness to go with a mid-engine? Definitely not, but perhaps a little madness was necessary to save Porsche and change the face of the automotive industry. Rob Siltonen said, Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Later this week, watch for our bonus episode of Mid-Engine Madness when we talk about the incredible Carrera GT and the earth-shattering 918 Spyder. Please share and tell your friends and fellow Porsche lover. I also want to hear from you. I'm collecting stories for future podcasts and would love to hear how your love affair with Porsche began. You can email me at will at neversubstituted.com or you can support our podcast by going to neversubstituted.com and check out our shop links, and some very cool stuff. Plus a preview of next week's show. Special thanks to Dennis Schrader Photography in Austin, Texas. You can see some amazing automotive prints and artwork at FastlanePhotoworks.com. Also, a lot of information from this podcast is from Porsche. Excellence was expected by Carl Ludvigson. I'm Will Beach. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to see you again soon.